Hello, and welcome to the Consistent Profits Podcast, brought to you by Inside Out Trading and Brian McAvoy, where the focus is on consistency, because when you have the consistent part down, profits become easy. Yeah, this week we're going to do something a little different. This is a kind of a best of uh, slash flashback to one of my favorite episodes, and yeah, one before I had the beard going. Uh, so this was the episode with Ray Barrows. Great guy. It was a great interview. It was a lot of fun. I know you'll enjoy it. So enjoy this week's uh, Best of the Consistent Profits podcast with Ray Barrows. Hello, everybody. This is Brian McAvoy with a new episode of the Consistent Profits podcast brought to you by Inside Out Trading. Uh, today, I'm very excited to be interviewing Ray Barrows. Uh, thanks for being on the podcast today, Ray. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Ray, Ray and I, have, we've uh, both been in the game for a long time and had occasional email correspondence. And I was just telling him before we started the, uh, the recording that I'm, I'm really jazzed to actually finally get to talk to him. Known him for, basically known him for years, but we've never actually talked. And so this is the first time we're getting to do that. And so, yeah, it's pretty exciting. Um, now, so that, uh, just so everybody knows, uh, as far as who is you know, Ray Barrows, well, he's a professional trader. He's been a fund manager. He, an author and educator. Uh, he started his trading many years ago and his track record, he's, he's got some pretty cool bragging rights. Uh, he did very well on his own, but he also uh, took a managed account from, uh, uh, what, what was it that you, you took your, your managed account to? Uh, yeah, about 20 mil to just under a bill over yeah. 1990 to 2010, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was some crazy growth. That was like almost a 40% annual return on a compounded basis, which is, which is excellent. Um, and he's also the author of two books. He's written The Nature of Trends and The Ray Wave. Uh, Ray's been uh, featured regularly on regional newspapers and publications such as the Sydney Morning Herald, Your Trading Edge Magazine, Business Times, and Smart Investor. And, you know, he's been focusing on his trading strategies as well as his par- uh, opinions on market sentiment. Um, and so, okay, let's, so let's just go ahead and jump into it. I, it, it still blows me away because you're pretty sprightly. You've, you've been around for a while. Uh, when I, I was really surprised <laughs> when I was looking into your history, that you, you said your very first trade was way back in 1966. Is that right? That is right. Oh, wow. So now I started before the internet, but i not, you know, actually in 66, I was just out of diapers. So um, <laughs> what was trading like, uh, you know, for an individual back then, you know, before the internet and all the conveniences that we have today? Yeah, I, I don't know that it was that different. We obviously had to trade end of day. We didn't have intraday data and so on. If you wanted to trade intraday, we didn't have the charts. I remember uh, we had a firm called Jackson's Brokers when I first started trading. And you'd go into the room and you have the Greuters green screen showing the prices. And my wife would sit next to me and she'd tell me the high and low price every every 15 minutes or so and I'd write it down and then I'd chart it. And so we're drafting half hourly charts by hand. That, that's what trading in terms of technology was concerned. But as far as decision making is concerned was probably no, no different than it is today. Oh, yeah. Yeah, some things don't change. And uh, yeah, there was actually one question I wanted to ask you. Um, now, as far as, uh, you know, the, well, since since then there have been a lot of evolutions to the the trading space you know technology wise yep. you know player wise some of the markets are, are you know that exist now didn't exist back then um but of all the evolutions in the trading space what do you and the changes what do you see as some of the constants the things that haven't changed i think human nature i think one of the things that when we first started trading um 
the stats or the the saying was over 90 percent of traders lose money and i was just reading an article by trade society that puts that above 95 percent that has not changed um the the, the the thought that you know we don't need any training we can get into buy look i can buy here sell there and i'll make a fortune overnight that has not changed the things that have changed are things that are really exciting i got that email from you which is the reason i got in touch about the psychology of trading i am seeing so much new information coming out that's not getting out there to the public and that i think is what someone like you would be fantastic you know to get it out there Okay. Well, on, on that note, and I'm, I'm glad you, you went and brought it up. That was one of the other things I wanted to ask you about. I mean, trading psychology and the psychology of trading, that's been a topic that's been around for decades. So you said that you're seeing some new things. What kind of new things are you seeing? Well, we're seeing a combination of things. Um, basically, we have this idea that, starting with Jamie Clark's idea, that at any given moment, we're driven by the thoughts forming in, at by the thoughts that we have, conscious and unconscious thoughts we have, they cause us to take action. And the question is, where do these thoughts come from? Then we come back to the, the childhood traumas or whatever you want to call them. And the, recently, there's a guy called Russell Kennedy, which separated that into two parts, which I thought was fantastic. The first part is the thought, the, the, the stimulus if you will that causes the alarm in the brain but the pain that we experience the stimulus that that causes us to act call it the three f's or what for want of a better word that causes us to act against our plan comes from the body and if we wanted to it, at that particular moment if we want to stop the impetuous action we have to focus on the body it's our breathing etc uh, etc et rather than the thought the thought is later when we need to reframe it and so on we we take that when we're at peace but at the precise moment that we're tempted by our body by our mind by the by the alarm by the stimulus in the mind to act we need to take care of the body and i thought that was fantastic then he, he goes into it in quite a lot of detail mm -hmm. so I, that i found very very interesting very interesting yeah. Yeah. I, I, as far as the interplay between thoughts and emotions, it's, it's cool that you bring that up. Uh, not too long ago, I ran across, uh, it was called uh, the alternator method. And it's, it's simply a method for diffusing like negative energy. Like if something's on your mind and you just can't shake it, but it's got you kind of unsettled. Mm -hmm. And what this method does, it's really cool. They call it the alternator method and it's from the Silogian Institute. It's a cool sounding name. But the whole process, the way it works, is actually really cool. Because, of course, you know, they, they have a little bit of a grounding routine at the beginning of it. And then it goes into an alternating series of questions. And it basically says, you know, okay, so when, when you think about your problem, what emotion comes up? Okay, mm -hmm. when you feel that emotion, what thoughts arise? And when those thoughts arise, what feelings? And the thing is, you go back and forth between the two, but very yes. intentionally. And the, the cool thing about it is when you get three, <clears throat> when you get three in a row, that are positive that's like the that's the indicator that you've basically diffused the negative energy from the original thought and when i first heard this i was like okay but i've tried it a few times and it actually really works very works well. and so yeah you're talking about that with trading is very cool um but yeah mm. part of the challenge is actually being able to do it in the heat of the moment though that's where the challenge comes in yeah 
Yeah, and, and that's where Kennedy's idea, I thought, that, that focus on, because it's easy, you just take a deep breath and relax, basically. <laughs> and that, to me, is amazing, because I've seen it do it to myself and my students, it reduces the tension dramatically, because you've taken your focus away from the screen and onto your body. And that that makes a huge amount of difference rather than the thoughts you're trying to if you're trying to stop the thoughts, I think that's very hard. But stopping the body from reacting, that's easy. Yeah. Yeah. And breath work. Actually, I remember reading uh, not too long ago that the uh, Marines and uh, like SEAL teams and stuff like that for their part of their training for dealing with high stress situations like in you know combat and everything is focusing on controlling their breath. Mm. One, of their, one of their primary tools for managing the, that intensely stressful situation. So, yeah, that's very cool. Huh. So as far as, uh, you know, techniques that are helpful, uh, what are some things that used to work uh, that you're aware of that no longer do? Well, there was an interesting observation a friend of mine made. He said that what's happening in systematic trading I'm, I'm a discretionary rule-based trader, but, you know, obviously the thing that's always what could not confuse, interested me was why is it that sometimes you get mechanical systems that seem to do very well in one, in an environment and then exactly same environment further down the track don't work as well. And this um, Matthew Verdu came out with this idea that it depends upon where you are in the business cycle. So if you've got commodities leading, uh, interest rates leading, stocks and leading, and I can't remember what the other one was, there are four, four items to it, that will have an impact upon your mechanical system. And he actually gave the back testing to show that. And I thought, oh, that, that's interesting. That's something that would interest me. So things that no longer work, I don't know that there's anything that no longer works. I mean, if you, unless of course, you know, I'm going to buy when the sky is blue, that, that sort of thing. It's not based on any form of reality. <laughs> <laughs> that won't work. But generally things like Wyckoff and Dow theory, they, they all work. They've got an underlying truth that's there. So I don't know that there's anything in that regard stopped working. It's human. People don't make money trading because of human nature, and that hasn't changed. And that, to a certain extent, that doesn't work. I mean, if we bring the mind that manages our our activities outside trading into trading, where we try and control outcomes and we try and control the elements, it just that that doesn't work. It's never worked. True. True. Huh. So who, who was it you said had the, the, the leading? Oh, yeah, Math, it's Matthew Verdu, V-E-R-D-O-U-W. He runs a piece of software called Optima, O-P-T-U-M-A. Yeah. It's a charting software. And if you go to optima.com, the website, you will see his thing about, I think he says something about business cycles or... Yeah something like that something about cycles and it's it's a it's it's a it's a he's he's done a um video it's about 60 minute video well worth watching especially if you're a mechanical trader yeah i'll have to check that out because that's that's interesting um and and business cycles product cycles um i find fascinating fascinating as well um 
and when I went to school, I was got my degree in mechanical engineering, and we had this one instructor, excellent guy. He and uh, he, he was like the favorite, uh, pretty much of all the all the students in mechanical engineering because he was like one of the only professors that had been out working in the real world. All the rest of the professors <laughs> had just you know they graduated college and then started teaching. And but he had gone out and worked in the real world um, and went to went to work for a uh, a printing press manufacturer. Worked his all the way up to. Uh, worked his way up to the VP of engineering and then retired and wanted to come teach and share his real world knowledge um, with the school, with the students. And it was fantastic. But this one day, and then one day he covered it, but he talked about the product life cycle and it was actually really fascinating. And it actually came in handy one day when I had gotten out in the real world and I was, uh, the industry I was in was plastic bottles, like two liter bottles and stuff like that. And it was really cool because in the late 80s, a lot of people kind of think that, you know, plastic two liter bottles and stuff like that, it's been around forever. It's like, no, that actually became popular in the mid 80s. Mm-hmm. And so when I when I got out of school in 88 and went to work for this company, it was really cool because I, I actually was joining that industry right in the middle of kind of the product life cycle, or at least the first stage of it. And so I got to witness it, but we were, I was sitting in this one meeting and, and the regional manager, he's talking about, you know, the stuff that's going on and it didn't make sense because, you know, last couple of years, things have been great. Now they're you know, seeing some struggles and this and this, and a light went off and I actually had my binder in my office. Mm-hmm. We had, had a lunch break and I went, I grabbed my binder and I'm flipping through it and it's like, no kidding. And I grabbed my boss. It's like, this, this is, this explains what's going on right here. And he's like, no kidding. That is so cool. And for the next six months, we just watched things play out according to that curve. And it was just really, it was really wild how there's a, a, a you know, an evolution or a developmental curve to so many things. Um, mm. I don't know about you, but I found it absolutely fascinating watching just the evolution of technology in the trading space over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Oh, it's cool just watching everything evolve. And, you know, like how traders are different, the space is different, the, and to, to a certain degree, the markets are different just because technology has allowed so many more players. Yep, yep. affected certain things. So, uh, yeah, I got to check out the business cycle because that, that's... Yeah, it's called, I had a quick look while you were chatting, it's called Unlocking Market Phases. Oh, excellent. Yeah. So if you just Google Unlocking Market Phases, Matthew Verdu, V-R-D-O-U-W, you, I'm sure it'll come up. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Huh. Well, now as far as, um, you know, new approaches, uh, and you've been around long enough to probably be exposed to most of the, most of the strategies, whether you've used them or not, you've probably heard of them. Um, what are some new ones that you've, that have come around in the last say five or 10 years that uh, really actually are, are kind of new, but some are effective and, and a lot of people aren't aware of them. Have you run across any that you can mention that, you, that have caught your attention? I'm sorry, Brian. I'm a little bit hard of hearing. I missed that like, bits of that question. Are, are there any uh, things that are new um, or approaches to trading that are very helpful, but a lot of people aren't aware of? Um, I'm not sure. The reason I say that people's personality is so different. Each one's got his own predilection towards certain things um the only thing i would say that has improved dramatically is your back testing for systems i mean when we when we started trading back testing was done by hand almost and then we went to spreadsheets and now you've got 
what maybe AI might come in and give us a hand with that. So I think that has changed a lot and that has made it more accurate, if I can put it that way, because it's got access to, it's got better access to data and the analysis is better. If you if you know to ask the right questions, the, the technology is there to give you the answers. Whereas in our day, we had to do it by hand. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's nothing compared to what you can do today. So I think that to me, as far as improvement is concerned, is, is the best thing I've seen over the over the years and ai i think is i don't think ai will take over the human trading because we're we're in a probability situation ai might destroy chess for example because you know it's fixed you can only have certain moves after someone does something but right. in trading anything can happen but ai may will be able to take a lot of the grunt work out so yeah. if i have a specific setup that i want I want the market to be trending. I want. I don't want it to go more than fifty, you know, twenty percent up. Blah blah blah. I'm looking for a pullback of X. Find me. That I think AI will be very useful. Yeah, yeah. Well, the you know you're talking about human nature, um, and you know how how that doesn't change. One of my favorite things um, years ago was I, was I was talking with this one guy, and he was talking about you know the uncertainty of the markets and everything. And I, what we wound up talking about was how, yeah, all in all, there is an uncertainty to the markets and the events that trigger things. But once something triggers a response in the markets, human nature makes it wonderfully predictable. And that's where we can gain an edge as a trader because we'll see something initiate. And so long as something doesn't interrupt it, it, it should play out. Mm-hmm. And so, that's where, so th- that's where we have these windows of predictability. And what's what I find fascinating, especially as as AI is coming into play, but even as over the last several years, as algorithmic trading has become so so much more commonplace, is when I talk about it now, I don't just say human nature. It's like the markets are, are people and computers, but the cool thing is computers are programs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so they, by definition, have a, a predictability to them because it's programmed into them. And so that really, as traders, in a lot of ways, can only make things better for us. Hmm. At least, I mean, that's one perspective on it. And I think it's really cool. I, 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 you know, as far as AI, I think like you're talking about in some regards, it's actually, yeah, it's going to be very helpful in, in both using it as a tool, but also you, even as a player in the markets, I think it's actually going to make things better in a lot of regards. So, um, huh. So you, you've worked with a lot of traders over the years. Um, what would you, what would you say, like if, you know, if a trader asks you, it's like, you know, how will I know that I've made it as a trader? Um, how, how do you answer that question? I usually say I, I can't tell you because you're <laughs> you're the one that's going to have to know. I, I think one of the issues that we need to to understand is we need to be very clear about what our goals are when we start trading. We need to know what it is we're trying to attain, and if we know what we're trying to attain, then it, we just have to work backwards, saying, okay, these are the milestones. This is what I try and do with the students before we start trading. So if we get a student, for example, I got an inquiry recently, tell me how much money I'm going to earn if I follow your system. And I wrote back and said, we're not even on the same wavelength. Don't don't worry about it. I mean, nicely, but basically. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, Trading is about a process. We, we have a goal. It, it, it's not about money. I, I don't see it as about money because money, we can't sleep with it. We can't 
exchange it's a, a tool of exchange mm -hmm. and at the end of the day it comes back to the six core human values that uh, Tony Robbins mentioned and I think it comes back to significance connection and um, certainty you know we, we want we want to avoid uh, pain we want to go towards pleasure that's why we stay in our comfort zone so I think that's what what happens when people say we want to trade I want to make x dollars I want to buy Lamborghini whatever it might be that's not really what they're after they're after what they they're if I buy a Lamborghini, my wife will love me more. If I buy a Lamborghini, I'll be noticed. You know, that that comes back to that. If we can identify that and then work backwards, then that person has found his route to success, what the milestones for him are. And that's, I think, what's important when you start to trade, to know exactly what it is you want clearly. And it, as I said, it relates back to the human core, human value, and then work your milestones. Oh, yeah. Then it's not a problem. Yeah, what an excellent answer. Um, I've, I've asked that question to a few people and generally the answer that I get will be in terms of how long they've been profitable. Like, you know, have, have you been profitable for 18 months in a row? And I, I think I'd say, you, I, I like your answer because it actually really does speak to it. Um, the, the truth of it, I, you know, just as far as, yeah, what, it, what, is, what is your definition of success? And that's the mm ways to do it instead of some um just kind of arbitrary thing that yeah it may or may not leave you feeling successful yeah exactly you've seen people make uh, and you've seen them they, they make it and they lose it they, they I'm, I'm going to turn recently at a, a student i'm going to take twenty thousand dollars i'm going to turn it to thirty five thousand in three months and he actually did it no no he actually did yeah. it but when he got there he said, I'm not happy. He basically said, I'm not happy. I'm going to turn this to another 30. If I could do it before, I, I'll do it again. And you know what happened after that. But he got to where he wanted to go and wasn't happy. He wasn't, he didn't feel successful. Huh. And that's, I think, if you use money as a guide, and you're perfectly right, that's an arbitrary number, it won't necessarily make you feel the way you think you're going to feel. Huh. Huh. Yeah, very cool. Huh. Okay, so um, what would you say is, is, is some common advice given on trading that really is just completely wrong? <laughs> okay. Um, well, <laughs> for example, <laughs> I, the one thing that I would say is if you, you're either a mechanical or you're a discretionary rule-based trader, I think that's that's what I grew up with when, as I was growing up in, as you said, now algorithmic trading has become far more, far greater, uh, greater share of the market than we used to be. And when I was started to trade, that's what I said. My, my first instructor said to me, mechanical or discretionary, or if you get on the floor, then it's totally, you know, totally discretionary, discretionary rule based or mechanical. I think for the retail trader, I, I think that doesn't work because your mechanical systems have to be based on some form of assumption about the market condition. So you have a system for trend following, you have a system for regression to mean and so on, right? So each type of market structure has a system that works for it. And if you think one system, one, one, one system, one plan will make money in all markets, that's that's not right. I mean, if you look at the, Ooh. if you look at the, um, 
institutions, they have they first select the kind of market conditions and then they take the system that they're going to use in those market conditions. Right. The problem with the retail trader is if if you get a, a professional trader, he says, I'm going to only follow a trend following system. I know that in a sideways market, I'm going to lose six, seven losing trades in a row, whatever it might be. I'm wearing that. I'm prepared to wear that. I'm prepared to take those losses. Not so the, the, the retail trader, right? The moment he has two or three losses, he's finding another new system. <laughs> the other side of it, the discretionary rule-based trader says, I'm going to make this best. I'm a Wyckoff trader or I'm a market profile trader. I'm a Dow, Dow trader, whatever it might be. I'm going to create a set of rules that are so complicated that I'll never lose money. <laughs> you end up not having a set of rules. So I think that's the issue for the retail trader when he's told mechanical or discretionary rule based. I think it's much easier for them if you have a simple system to identify the trend, because I think that's the core fundamental starting point of any any trade. What's the trend of the time frame you're trading? Have a discretionary rule base, because I think the, the, the human mind can uh, tackle that pretty easily if you give them a set of parameters. That's not, that is not rules. The rules. By rules, I mean you either take it or you don't. With a discretionary rule base is saying, I can I can identify the trend using a judgment. It's a judgment call. Once you've identified the trend continuation or change, you have a strategy and then the mechanical comes in. So you say, okay, the trend is up. I'm going to be buying dips. These are my three systems for buying dips. I have to execute one of them. If they don't have fall into one of those three systems, I don't have a trade. And I found in my teaching that has made a huge difference to the trader, the ability to separate the discretionary, the trend aspect from the execution phase has made a big difference to their ability to execute consistently. Huh. And those that haven't, and not everybody follows it, um, those that haven't have gone on to try other systems. And the ones that I have kept in touch, we usually become friends with my group. They, they're still looking. They're still trying to find something that will work for them. But most of those who have kept it separate have actually achieved the, some of the goals that they've wanted. So I'm, I'm very pleased with that aspect of it. Huh. Yeah, you brought up a couple of really good uh, notions in there uh, as far as like keeping things separate and, and having separate systems. One, one of the biggest... Uh, things that I see traders do to themselves. And I, I, I mean, <clears throat> early on, I did, I did the same thing is when you're sitting there watching the chart, you know, you might have a, a strategy that you want to use, but you're seeing all these different moves or patterns or whatever. And so now it's like, you're trying to catch everything you see. And, and, and so like, you know, when, when I work, when I work with people, I'll say, you know, one of the first things we've got to do is send me your system because we're going to, we got to clean it up probably. And a lot of people send me these systems and it's like, yeah, they're, like you said, they've got so much stuff in it. It's just this huge mishmash of stuff. Hmm. Again, I wonder it's hard to trade because you, you got way too much going on here and just having things mentally manageable is one of the first key things. So um, now, well, as far, now as far as being able to profit consistently, I mean, since this is the consistent profits podcast, I got to ask. So aside from <laughs> what you mentioned, um, what, what do you consider the other keys to, uh, you know, being able to, you know, make consistent profits? Well, 
you know, I think it's been that's been around for a while. You need a, a set of rules that give tell you when the probabilities in your side. What I call method, that's your plan. Right. You need money management, uh, which optimizes profitability, minimizes the risk of ruin. And for me, money answers four questions: percentage of capital to risk per trade, the position size, portfolio risk. How many open positions can you keep at the same time? And the last one I haven't seen around too much, what I call asymmetric, reduced asymmetric risk. Because if you risk 2% of your capital per, per trade, right. and you then have a series of wins, when the wins start to come down, you would have lost the biggest amount. So 2% at, say, $10,000 is very different from 2% at $50,000. And you've, you've grown the capital. It's starting to come down. You're risking 2%. So you risk most when you've made most, if I can put it that way. Well, Think about it. And the reverse is also true. Market's coming down. You're risking 2%. You risk 2% at $50,000, and you've now down to 25,000, your 2% at 25,000 is a lot less than it was at 50,000. So I call that asymmetric risk and you need to reduce that. You need to minimize that effect. And I'll pass it on to your uh, subscribers. The easiest way I've found to do that is to reduce the, to add the loss at twice the speed. So if you're going to add your capital, let's say every time I make 20%, I'm going to add it to my capital. Until until I do that, I don't add. The moment I lose 10%, I subtract I subtract I subtract subtract it from my capital. Do you follow? So if I if I've made 10,000 and have gone to uh, 10 12,000, I'm going to then add. I make every 20%, I'm going to add to my capital. I lose 10% from the top, I'm going to reduce my capital. That reduces the impact of asymmetric risk. And that, I think, is a very important aspect when it comes to trading, especially for retail traders, because you know how they are. Once they start to lose money, they start to panic. Oh. So those are the four questions for money. And then, of course, you've got mind, the psychology, consistent execution of the rules. And the other thing about psychology is constant and never-ending improvement. One of the things I think that's not emphasized enough among traders is the belief that once you've got approach that works, it doesn't have to change. But that's not necessarily true, especially if you're a systematic trader. As um, you know, for example, um, in we've had volatility in the markets recently has been very different to the volatility of the markets, say, two years ago, we, we had a lot more volatile markets that just gone sideways for the last 12 months or so. So um, that that's the sort of thing that you, you have to commit yourself to continue to learn about the markets and yourself and money management, those three areas. So there, that, that's, that's what I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. I, I, and I like your, your notion on the, uh, the asymmetric, asymmetric, uh, risk management. That's a really cool uh, thought process you got there. Um, and I, yeah, at some point I'd like to discuss that further with you because that makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's really easy to overlook. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, now as far as the continuous improvement, it, it's actually cool that you brought that up. And, you know, as far as, uh, you know, messing with the, the system or whatever, because um, uh, the, the guy I was talking to, he was saying, you know, uh, you know, you know, at what point do I stop messing with my system? Because we're in a, a, the optimization stage right now. 
And I said, well, you'll get it to a certain point, And then beyond that, you're going to hit some diminishing returns because you mm. try all kinds of stuff. And it's just, you know, a, a lot of it, it's not really going to get you proportionate gains to the investment of time and, and resources. And so as far as wanting to stay in continuous improvement mode, that's fine. What you need to do, though, is instead of just looking to modify the strategy, look to where else you can maybe, you know, make improvements to your operation. Absolutely. That's where, like what you just mentioned there, yeah, okay, what can I do with my money management? What can I do on the psychology side of things? Maybe what can I do as far as, you know, approaching different market conditions? And so, you know, we start exploring, and it's cool that you're mentioning the ones you did, because, yeah, there are a lot of opportunities for improvement and growth and development as a trader. And so <clears throat> the traders that look only at messing with their strategy and they ignore everything else, they're missing a lot of good opportunities for improvement in their operation and, and their future as a trader. So, yeah, cool that you brought that up. Um, and it's really cool that you, you actually make that a point as far as continuous improvement, because, yeah, very necessary. Uh, it's really easy to kind of get stagnant and then just kind of let things slide and coast for a while. So, oh, very cool. Very cool indeed. Well, we've, uh, we've, we've run a kind of the, the full time that I usually uh, plan for this. Um, you got any uh, last words of wisdom for everybody? Yeah, uh, the only thing I would say is trading is a profession. You, you, you spend as much time learning. In order to succeed, you need knowledge and execution. So you think of a heart surgeon, you've got to go to university, spend the years, then he goes into practice. You're going to come into trading thinking, I'm going to make it overnight. I don't have to spend any money in education. I don't need any capital. Walk away. <laughs> Please walk away. <laughs> trading is the hardest profession in the world on the one hand. On the other side, to me, it's the most rewarding. I'm my total boss. I, I work the hours I want to work. I use the tools I want to use. I don't have anybody telling me what to do. And the most the most important part for me is that it's my life that's in my hands. I'm not I'm not a doctor who's got the life of another person if I screw up. So that's what that would be my parting advice. Be prepared to work, be prepared to spend time, effort, and money, and you will be rewarded. Yeah. That's good advice. Good advice. Now, um, well, before we before we uh, totally close things out, I do want to remind everybody, you have a couple of books that you've written, uh, The Nature of Trends and The Ray Wave. Those are both available on Amazon, correct? Yeah, they're, I, I don't know about The Ray Wave. I know The Nature of Trends is now an e-book. Okay. Um, they were written some time ago, um, so and they were a little bit complicated. I was, it was written, I think Nature of Trends was written 30 years ago. And Rayway was is not too far behind. Okay. Um, people want to get more update. I've got a website, tradingsuccesseducate.com. And um, we produce a weekly news uh, video, which basically talks about what the markets are likely to do, what, what trades I'm seeing. But the one that's more important, I think, is the weekly newsletter where I see anything that I see of interest, I, I put in there. And that would be more uh, keeping up with with my train of thought, if I can put it that way, rather than buy the books. Okay, yeah, and that, that makes sense. Um, now, as far as the um, uh, your site, I want to make sure that we get this right because um, I thought your site was tradingsuccess.com. But you it, it is. That's the old one. Um, oh, okay. Let me just make sure that I can access my new one. 
Yeah, you said it was training success educate. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Hey, there's you. Yeah. Yeah, there is. Yep. That's the new one. Training success educate. That's the new site. Okay. And and you said it's a weekly uh, uh, publication. I have to, yeah, I've got a weekly um if you just drop me a line, I've got an ebook out that's the called the four phase framework. I've tried to keep the prices down as much as possible. The four phase framework's the same as what I used to do, but I've split into four phases. Um, basically the Wyckoff approach, accumulation, markdown, sorry, markup, then distribution, markdown. And I found the students find it easier to remember, well. to understand what I've said. So that, that has gotten some good reviews. Um, and if you drop, when you buy the book or you, you go in the site, you will get an e a, um, invitation to join the the newsletters okay excellent excellent yeah i'm looking at it right now yeah the four phase framework excellent yeah 27 dollars that's like that's that's lunch so sure very cool well now i can see i see now i have to go get it because i didn't even i didn't even know I, I was looking at your old site and didn't even know about this very cool hooray this this has been excellent and, and i'm glad that you you're still at it after even after hitting retirement age. You could have, you know, it's left us all, to, you know, to fend for ourselves a long time ago. But you're still here helping people, so that's very cool. Uh, I've got to thank you guys. It gives me something to do. I couldn't think of what my day would be like if I didn't have this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, again, it's I'm just thrilled to actually be, you know, having this interview with you. Uh, it, like I said, we've exchanged, uh, you know, emails uh, over the years. I've known you for a long time. Uh, people that are being people that we've, uh, we've had a shared acquaintance have always spoken very highly of you and everything. And so, yeah, I'm just thrilled to have you on here. So can I introduce you to my listeners? And uh, yeah, if uh, I mean, if, if, you know, Ray, what Ray says resonates with you, definitely swing by his site. I'll, I'll make sure to have his link uh, and, you know, his other ways to reach him now. So while we're at it, as far as your other uh, uh, contact information, you got a YouTube channel, correct? Uh, yeah yeah okay so yeah on youtube or swing by a site either one are good places to uh get hold of ray and again ray thank you for being here tonight man well thank you i've really enjoyed it brian thank you very much yeah indeed take it easy bud good and everybody uh, make sure that you do uh you know if you enjoyed this tonight go ahead and subscribe to the consistent profits podcast and we'll see you on the next episode cheers bye-bye Thank you for joining us today on the Consistent Profits Podcast, brought to you by Inside Out Trading. Make sure to swing by Inside Out Trading and pick up your copy of The Proven Formula for Consistent Monthly Profits. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe on your favorite channel, and we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers!